Open your Bibles, if you will, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Keep your Bibles open because I'm going to uh, go back to uh, a number of things found in the text as we work our way through the message. This morning we're going to focus our attention on getting what you want. What do you want? Getting what you want. We begin reading at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the wayside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, unless you come to teach us today, we will not learn. And so we come to present ourselves to you as empty vessels, and we ask you to fill us with yourself. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Visualize the scene. The city is Jericho. It's on the West Bank. Today it's under the control of the Palestinians. It's not far from Jerusalem. The city holds two records. It is the lowest city on earth, 846 feet below sea level. It is also the longest city still in existence, the oldest city as far as we know. It also has the tomb of Herod the Great just outside of the city of, Jer of Jericho. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to have his final confrontation with the religious leaders and then death on the cross of Calvary. He and his disciples enter into the southern gate of the city. And as they walk through, many people gather around him to listen to what he has to say. In those days when teachers would come into a city, uh, people would gather around them and they would teach as they walked along. And so a, a great crowd gathered to hear what he said that day. When he neared the northern gate of the city, there was a blind beggar sitting there. His name is Bartimaeus. Well, that's not really his name. That simply means the son of Timothy. He and a number of other blind beggars were sitting there because this was a good day if crowds of people were in town 
well, they'd be able to get some things to help them along. Now, being blind, he could not see the teacher, uh, but he could hear the shuffle of many feet, and there was excitement in the air. And finally, after several attempts, he was able to stop someone just long enough to say to him, who's the teacher? Who is it? And perhaps the man jerking away said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He thought for a minute, where have I heard that name? Oh, yes. I remember he's the miracle worker from uh, Nazareth. I've heard that he healed lepers and also uh, those who were paralyzed. I even heard that he raised the dead. I wonder if he would give me my sight. And with that, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible said Jesus stood still and said to the man, or to the crowd, come. And uh, he came. And Jesus said to him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, I'd like to receive my sight. And Jesus said, you've got it. And he gave him his sight and his salvation and cut him loose and sent him on his way. Now the message this morning is going to center around three questions. What do you want? How badly do you want it? And what will you do with it if you get it? Think for a moment, what do you want in your own personal life? What do you want in this church? What do you want? What are you going to do with it if you get it? And so let's focus on the first one. What do you want? Now, this seems to me to be a foolish question, doesn't it, to you? Uh, here's a blind beggar asking Jesus to have mercy on him. And uh, Jesus said to him, what do you want? Now, you know, Jesus knew what he was going to ask before he ever asked it. Uh, Jesus knew that he wanted his sight. And yet he said to him, what do you want? You know, we ask foolish questions a lot of times, but not Jesus. For example, a man is standing before a mirror he has lather on his face and a razor in his hand, and you say, what are you doing, shaving? Kind of silly, isn't it? Or you see a man coming toward you, a man you know, and he's got on a leg cast, and you say to him, did you hurt your leg? <laughs> or even more so, two men may meet. They've known one another for years, and one of them is all dressed up, and the other said, well, where have you been? I've been to Joe's funeral. Oh, did he die? Aren't those some silly questions that most of us ask? But you know something? A Jesus never asked a silly, foolish question. He knew that the blind man wanted to receive his sight. A Jesus never asked any foolish questions. He didn't even ask questions in order to gain information. He knows everything. He knew what Barnabas was going to ask for. He knows what you are going to ask for in just a little bit. You're thinking about what you want. He already knows what you're going to ask for. However, I believe there are two reasons why Jesus asked the question. First of all, it is a probing question. He wants his, uh, Bartimaeus to express himself way down deep in his heart. He wants him to get back to the real issue. 
And so it is a probing question where Jesus is probing within the heart of this man. He did a similar thing in Jerusalem. It's recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 5. Jesus is walking around the pool of Bethesda. A lot of sick folks are there. One of them is a paralytic. He's been ill for 38 years. Somebody has brought him, or maybe he found some other way to get there, and he's lying around the pool waiting for the troubling of the waters. Jesus walks around, and he's looking at all of them. And he looks at this man, and he said to him, Would you like to be made whole? And the man said, well, of course I want to be made whole. Why do you think I've come here day after day if I didn't want to be made whole? But then maybe after thinking about it for a moment, he said, well, I'm not so sure whether I want to be made whole or not. You see, I have had no responsibility for 38 years. I haven't had to hold down a job. I can do whatever I want to all day. I can watch television as long as I want to and I don't have to have a job. I'm not so sure whether I want to be healed or not. You know, sometimes God doesn't do for us what we ask because he knows we're not serious about it. But this man was serious. Some people enjoy poor health as well as physically, physically and spiritually. Jesus was probing into the heart of Bartimaeus. I want to ask you something personally. What do you want in your life? Some of you would say to me, well, I want a revival in my heart. I'm a believer, but I'm not really walking with the Lord, and I want a revival in my heart. I want a revival in Ashley River Baptist Church. I want a revival, really? Are you absolutely sure that you want a revival? And you respond by saying, oh, yes, I've been praying for revival for a long time. I know you've been praying, but I ask you, do you really want a revival? Did you know that if you get completely right with God, you may have to give up some things that you presently hang on to? And if you get right with God, somebody may have the audacity to ask you to teach a Sunday school class or serve on a committee, to attend church on a regular basis, to tithe your income. You may even be obliged to give up some things that are dear to you. A woman said this, I want to get right with God, but I know if I do, I'll have to give up some things that I enjoy and I'm not willing to give them up. Now that may be the way you are feeling also. Or maybe you say, I want to become a Christian. I've thought about it for a long time. Well, I've got good news for you. The very purpose that Jesus came to this earth was to seek and to save that which was lost. In fact, he's knocking at your heart's door right now, saying to you, I want to come in. But he won't force his way in. All of you have seen Holman Hunt's The Light of the World, the picture. Everybody has seen it. But have you studied it very closely? A Jesus is standing at the door and his hand is up, he's knocking. But if you notice carefully, there is no doorknob on the outside of the door. It's on the inside. He has no way of opening the door. You must open it for yourself on the outside. And then if you really study it carefully, you'll notice his feet are turned away just a little bit. 
as if to say, I'm knocking, but if you don't open the door, I'm going to turn and walk away. What do you want? What do you want in life? It is a probing question, but it is also a promising question. To me, there's a royal ring in that question. Jesus said, what do you want? You can ask anything you want. I won't limit you. The wealth of the world is mine. All power is mine. Just tell me what you want, and I can take care of it. It's no problem with me. But did you know that while he is the sovereign God, he is limited. He's limited to what we are willing for him to do in our lives because he has made us a free moral agent. And he works through people, through our availability, and through our willingness. God will never save a person who is unwilling to be saved. And he will never send revival to a heart that really doesn't want it. He'll never bring a backslidden Christian back to him until that person wants it. Jesus did not do any wholesale healing in his day. I thought about that. If I had the power that Jesus had, I'd do things a little bit differently. But I'm not Jesus. But if I had the power that he had, I would walk downtown today and walk into every hospital and heal every person in there. But Jesus didn't do that. If I had his power, one day when he stood near the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. I'd say, all of you that are dead in Christ, come forth. But you see, I'm thinking like a human being. And Jesus doesn't think that way. He wants us to acknowledge our need. He wants us to admit that we have a problem. God is willing to do something in your life and mine if we are willing to ask him to do it. He wants to send revival, salvation, stability. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. But he never promised to bless a mild appetite. But he said, if you are starving to death for something, I'll give it to you. Are you starving? Are you hungry? Do you want something in your life? What is it that you want in your life? The second question, how badly do you want it? Have you ever heard somebody playing a piano like Marie plays on beautiful songs? And then you thought within yourself, you know, I'd like to be able to play the piano the way Marie does. No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd take lessons and you'd practice a lot and you would learn. But what you're really saying is, I don't want to do anything, but I want God just to listen to my prayer and take care of it for me. I don't want to study. I don't want to practice. I just want to play the piano. Our oldest daughter and her husband had three children. One of them was named Matthew. He was the youngest. Uh, Debbie, our daughter, said to the children, you've got to take piano lessons from the time you're able to sit on the bench until you finish high school, and then you can quit. And you've got to practice 30 minutes every day. Well, Matthew hated to practice but he had a little bit of a gift for piano 
playing, and, and, and so uh, he was about 15 years old, and the church where they attended needed a pianist. The pianist moved away. And since Matthew could play hymns pretty well, she, they said to him, Matthew, uh, could you play for us? And he's not very modest. He said, sure can. And uh, they did have a good organist who could uh, hide all of his mistakes. But he started playing. Well, sometimes after that, he and the family came to our house for dinner. And I said to him, Matthew, did you hear any good piano playing today? He said, yes, sir. I said, Matthew, did you get any compliments? He said, I sure did. I said, Matthew, if you would practice three hours a day, you'd get a whole lot of compliments. He said, Grandpa, nobody needs that much praise. <laughs> Most of us are like that. We don't want to give, we don't want to have to do something in order to have something in our life. How badly do you want it? Did you know that Barnabas wanted to receive his sight so bad until he had to overcome three crowds? Look at verse 48. When he started crying, Jesus, have mercy on me, the crowd tried to silence him. No doubt some of them said, man, shut up. We've come to hear what the teacher has to say, and you're distracted. Did you know the crowd can be heartless and cruel and sometimes try to stop you from getting what you want? He also had to overcome his companions. I doubt seriously if things have changed very much from that day to this. You know, there are certain rules that must be followed for people who are begging there on the streets. And there's a crowd of beggars on the street that day. And when Bartimaeus starts crying out, one of them probably said, Bart, shut up. Don't you know what the authorities have said? If we cause a disturbance, they'll take us away and we'll all go hungry. Shut up. Did you know your companions may stop you from getting what you want? And now you won't believe this, but it's true. Even the church members tried to stop Bartimaeus. In the book of Luke, when he records this story, in chapter 18 and in verse 39, he said, and those who went before Jesus tried to stop him. Now the disciples would go before and then on the side, kind of like security guards, and they would protect Jesus from the crowd pressing in. And so these are the church members. And they said to him, be silent. It said, those who went before him said to him, be silent. You know, it's troubling for us to think that church members would prevent somebody from coming to Jesus. And yet, it happens. Conventional religion sometimes can keep thing, people from coming. It wants to keep everything orderly. Now, I like order in a church service. But, you know, I wonder what would happen today if all of a sudden someone jumped up and started shouting. I'm not talking about just an expression. I'm talking about real, genuine shouting. I wonder what would happen. Somebody might say to him or her, be quiet. Don't disturb things. I was in a revival meeting in Atlanta, Georgia. There was a woman in that church who... Uh, 
had been praying earnestly for her son to come to know Christ as Savior. He had come to church with her that night. They sat together. He sat on the outside and she on the inside. And when I started giving the invitation, that man started walking down the aisle. And when he did, that mother could not contain it. She jumped straight up out into the aisle, praising God. Nobody questioned her because they knew it was real. I wonder what would happen if something like that happened to us. Do you want whatever you want bad enough to be able to ignore public opinions? And then do you want what you want badly enough to be able to get rid of personal obstacles in order to get it? Go back to Jericho. Jesus said to him, what do you want? He said, my sight. Jesus said to him, you have it. And Bartimaeus immediately jumped up. And the scripture said he cast aside his garment. And he came to Jesus. You see that response? That long robe that, long robe that he had on might trip him. He's going to hurry to get to Jesus. Jesus said, come. He isn't going to get up, take off his robe, fold it up, hand it to a neighbor, and say, would you watch this for me? I'll be back in a little while. No, no. He cast it aside immediately and came to Jesus. You have a robe. Whatever it is that keeps you from coming to Christ is your robe cast it aside. Get rid of it. Don't let it stand between you and getting what you want in life. He refused to be silenced. And so he came to Jesus. And when he cried out to Jesus, verse 49 said, Jesus stood still. Did you know whenever you cry out to Jesus, all heaven stops? Remember, Jesus is on his last journey to the city of Jerusalem. He's going to Calvary. He's going to be crucified. He's going to manifest God's love. He's going to take upon himself man's sin. He's going to bring salvation. But when he heard this man calling out, he stood still. It is as if he said something like this, heaven, hell, You'll just have to wait. A man is calling out, and I'm going to take care of his needs. You see, all Calvary will wait when Jesus hears the voice of one saying, Help me. Bartimaeus, you've got whatever you want. And he came. I want to go down to one last thing. How badly do you want what you want? And then what will you do with it? If you should get it. Now notice when Jesus healed this man, he cut him loose. Notice what he said, go thy way. Now what might a blind man do upon receiving his sight and then being told by his healer, go your way? Well, he might have said, thank you. I'm going home to show my family and tell them that I'm able to see. Wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. Or he might have said, you know, I'm going sightseeing. I've never seen the sights of Jericho. Wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. 
But when Jesus said, go thy way, the Bible said he followed Jesus in the way. Jesus cut him loose. He said, oh, no, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to walk with you. And what was the results of that? Well, the Bible tells us that all the people saw it. That's what Luke says. All the people saw it. When you get what you want and when you follow Jesus in the way, I guarantee all the people will see it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I don't know what it is that each one of the people in this building want, but I know that you have power enough to grant that wish, whatever it is. And I pray that not a single one will turn you away today, but when we sing the hymn of invitation, he or she will come and say, Now, Lord, I'm claiming this promise from you. And if they're lost, let them come to know you as Savior. And for it, we'll praise you and thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Brother Randy is going to come and stand, and Kathy is going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. And as she leads us, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your place and come down to the front. Brother Randy will be glad to talk with you. And let him know and God know what you want in life. Let's stand together.